listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda. And for episode 16 of the show, I'm going to be doing another solo episode. I haven't done one since all the way back uh, for episode three. Uh, For episode 16, I want to take this opportunity to uh, express my my love for music and music collecting. It's been a huge, passionate hobby hobby of mine for for many years, for basically since I was 11 years old. And I, I very much would love to share this experience with you, but also talk about a really cool book that I've just recently read called uh, Record Store Day, The uh, Most Improbable Comeback of the 21st Century. It's a book that talks about the, the history and um, the organizing of Record Store Day, which is an annual tradition to support your local record stores and uh, just indulge in music and love music and you know support the small businesses, which is really cool. It's celebrating its 15th anniversary this year. So April 23rd, this coming Saturday, 2022, it's celebrating its 15th year, which is really a cool thing. So I definitely would highly recommend anyone, if you have record stores in your local area, uh, if you love music, collecting music, go, go check out the store, go you know do some shopping and indulge in uh, this wonderful, awesome habit that I'm sure most of us love doing. So I want to take this opportunity since I'm going to be talking just myself, uh, talking about how I came to love music, particularly music collecting. And that's going to be for the first segment. The second segment, I'm going to be talking about the book itself, talking about the history of Record Store Day. So uh, two segments for, for this episode. First, I'm just talking about my my love of music and yeah, and how I came to really enjoy this, this hobby. So uh, I want to give a family history, which is kind of cool to be recording the podcast because you can talk about uh, uh, important things in your life and document them through audio files. So it's basically like an audio journal, which is really cool. So I'm hoping someday that Avery will go back and listen to these uh, recordings that I'm doing and Liam as well. Uh, because for me, it's just so much fun. I, I love going back and listening to it all by myself, just going back in uh, the few, sh- the short months that I've been doing this podcast, going back and listening to episodes that I've already recorded. So this is definitely one that I would want to keep for posterity purposes. Uh, so history with music, my earliest memories. Uh, I want to share a story that uh, when I was uh, in my teenage years, thinking I was too cool for school, I kind of like denied that this ever happened, but because <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a, it's a cute little story about like a, a, a boy who loves his dad and wants to spend time with him and hang out. My dad would love this story and he would always tell it because he, I guess maybe he thought he wanted to like embarrass me or whatever, but it's actually a cool story. I love sharing now as an adult. When, um, when I was a little boy, I would see my dad listening to music and his headphones and, you know, little boy thinking that his dad's the coolest, best person in the world, wants to see what he's up to, what he's doing. And my dad was a huge fan of uh, Rat Pack music. So Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. So one time he was just sitting at his stereo setup, uh, playing a CD of Dean Martin, playing the song, uh, Send Me the Pillow That You Dream On. Um, the hell goes, uh, Send Me 
the pillow that you dream on <laughs> like that. Uh, and I wanted to join in. I went, I asked for my dad to let me borrow his headphones and listen to what he was saying. And I was singing the, the verse just like that. So that was maybe one of my earliest memories of a, uh, uh, music listening, you know, sitting on my dad's lap with his headphones, listening to the music that, that he loved, uh, which gave me a, a love and appreciation for music and basically set me on the path to uh, developing and uh, cultivating this uh, habit of uh, collecting music. Uh, my dad also had a record of the uh, Star Wars theme from the John Williams music, like doing like a weird like disco mix, which actually sounded pretty cool. So he had that on vinyl and I remember him playing that often too, which also kind of developed my love for music. So fast forward just a few years later, it's the early 90s, 1991. And uh, the family's on a family trip to the Santa Anita Mall in Arcadia, where we're shopping at their local music store, Sam Goody. If you guys remember that, it's going way old school, if you can remember Sam Goody. But uh, we're there shopping, and I started getting a taste of music, developing my own musical taste, often that it was based off the musical taste of my older siblings, Fernando and Adriana. And so we're all there as a family. Uh, just shopping around the music store and I had my own money and I was going to buy a cassette single of the song uh, uh, You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses from the Terminator 2 soundtrack and my brother Danny was going to buy a single a cassette single of some other song but it was actually our older sister Adriana who made the suggestion hey why don't you two pull your money together and buy a full-length album so I was actually blown away thinking wow that's a wonderful amazing idea let's do that so Danny and I uh, put our heads together and we were able to come up with buying the the soundtrack to the movie Wayne's World and through that soundtrack we you know we absolutely loved hearing the song Bohemian Rhapsody by by Queen just constantly playing that that track over and over again on the on the CD so for me I could say that yes the very first album that I ever purchased on CD format in any format would have been the Wayne's World soundtrack and I would imagine most people who are really passionate about music, they could probably tell you what was the very first album you purchased, whether it was on vinyl, on CD, or even for the younger kids, like what was the first uh, uh, digital album you purchased on MP3, which is a really cool thing, I think. And a few years after that, for completionists, people who want to know, the very first CD I ever purchased entirely on my own was the Cranberries uh, debut album. Uh, everyone else is doing it, so why can't we? So I absolutely would love to find Wayne's World soundtrack and the Cranberries album on vinyl if I could. That's been a little bit of a uh, challenge to find those two. Uh, so, yeah, I developed my love of music. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You can ask lots of people, hey, why do you love music so much? I mean, just anyone, not just me specifically. Uh, everyone can come up with their own reasons. But, I mean, for me, I guess uh, music can remind me of certain times of my life where I can remember a particular, I relate a particular moment or an event in my life to a particular song. Uh, maybe it, I relate directly to the lyrical content of the song itself that had, might have significance to me, or it could just simply be music is cool. It just sounds really cool and awesome. And it brings me much joy and happiness listening to it. So it's all those reasons combined, I think, that make me want to love music and uh, have it be like my uh, number one hobby, basically. And at the time, I loved going to record stores. I loved going to the warehouse in Arcadia. That was my, my, one of my favorite ones to go to because it was the closest to where we lived. Uh, Blockbuster Music in Pasadena. Uh, that's one I went to frequently. And if you remember on my podcast, 
uh, many episodes ago when I talked to my buddy Marcelo, he was talking about the, the selling point that Blockbuster had, Blockbuster Music, that you could take any CD in the store up to the, the front counter and listen to the whole album. So for, for me, I could spend hours in record stores just uh, browsing through the, the various albums that they had and you know, taking it to listening booths and listening to what they had. It was just a really cool, fun experience for me to get to do that. So, uh, and in record stores offered really cool opportunities to get to uh, uh, meet, interact, mingle with your favorite artists and bands, which is really cool. So I want to share experience about that. Again, why record stores are really cool. Back in 1997, I got to attend uh, a meet and greet with the band, the Mighty Mighty Boston's. And this was when Ska was making its, its comeback, doing its uh, third way Ska, as it were the third time that it had become popular with mainstream culture. And the Mighty Mighty Boston's had just released their uh, newest album, Let's Face It. This would have been April of uh, 1997. And uh, my buddy, Jared Kloss from high school, he was way into it too. So he was saying, hey, let's go to this record store signing they're going to be doing at Tower Records in West Covina that was going to be hosted by Y107, a now defunct uh, alternative uh, radio station here in L.A. And I said, yeah, let's do it. It'd be really, really cool. So, but again, as teenagers, we don't really have access to cars. <laughs> so uh, we had to get his uh, stepmom to, to drive us and she was more than happy to do it. And uh, for people who, who wish to know, I mean, again, this was in the early to late afternoon. So technically when school was kind of still in session, uh, I didn't ditch. <laughs> I wasn't like brave enough or uh, crazy enough to want to actually ditch school just to do something like that. But uh, I got a written note from my, my parents to excuse me. So we were able to leave after lunch and then not go to the last two periods of school uh, to, to drive to West Covina. And, and right in the parking lot, they did uh, like a luau barbecue type thing for the, the Mighty Mighty Boston's. And Tower Records actually shared a parking lot with the West Covina Mall at the time. So it was a big, huge open area uh, available for uh, a perfect opportunity to do a, a gathering of that size for people who wanted to do a meet and greet with the band. And uh, I had the foresight to bring a disposable camera with me. <laughs> this was again, 1997. So uh, at least 10 years before the very first uh, iPhone. So it wasn't like back in the day. I mean, back in the day, people weren't really readily carrying cameras with them. Not like today where, you know, anyone can pull a camera out of their pocket essentially. But uh, yeah, I remember thinking, you know, it'd be really cool to get a picture with them along with having them sign my, my copy of the Let's Face It album on CD. So I brought the camera and my buddy Jerry was so cool and stand up about it. He's like, wow, that's a really great idea. Let me do the picture picture for you. So I'm eternally grateful for my buddy Jared uh, willing to take the picture for me. So we got in line where it's our turn to have the CD signed. And I asked the band, hey, can I have uh, you guys sign my CD? And they, oh, I mean, I can get a picture with you guys along with getting you to sign my CD. And they said, yeah, sure. So I was able to get a picture with uh, Nate Albert, who's the guitarist of the band, and with um, my notes here, uh, Ben Carr, who was the, the backup vocalist, and he was also like the dancer. So he didn't really play an instrument. He just kind of did like the skanking dance on stage, which I guess is a really cool part to have in a band, for a ska band. And yeah, so uh, I got other pictures as well. I can't seem to find them, but I'm grateful that I do have that picture. In fact, I'm going to be posting it as part of the 
the social media push for this episode so people can see that, yes, I did get in fact get to meet some of the members of the Mighty Mighty Boston's and have them sign my CD. So again, this was an experience that a record store could only make happen. And it was really cool and really fun. So it definitely uh, enforced my love of record stores and my, my love of music and collecting music. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, I kept doing it. I mean, it was really cool to, to go to stores and buy music. I mean, I also subscribed to Columbia House and BMG Music, if you guys remember that, the mail-in order CD uh, scam thing. Uh, that probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> so I, I did uh, build my collection even more using the, that, that mail-in program of Columbia House and BMG. But again, nothing could top actually going to a record store to buy the music itself. And even uh, Best Buy, when they became to, came to prominence and started selling uh, media content, I mean, they, they would sell CDs for cheaper than Tower or the Warehouse. But uh, and I, I find myself actually going to Best Buy a little more frequently to buy albums at the time. But uh, yeah, again, the, the record store itself, which is really cool experience to walk into one and just browse music. And I kept doing it all the way till um, uh, Tower went under. Or actually, rather technically, I, I actually got my very first computer and started purchasing MP3s through iTunes back in 2005. And that was a game changer for me. I actually buying my very first iPod video and then buying music digitally. I mean, it was even a cooler experience, I guess, as it were, because you actually got to have the opportunity to share MP3s with other people, at least not initially. No, iTunes had like a copyright protection thing against that. But uh, music that you would actually purchase like a physical format, if you transferred it to MP3, you could share it with your friends. So in a way, we were still building the same community of sharing and talking about music. And it was really cool to, for me to send um, uh, music to friends and have them send music. So uh, doing uh, burning parties for CDs. Again, uh, music was just a, a way of bringing the community together and it was so much fun. So that would explain why after all these years, I still have absolutely love doing it and collect, collecting music and buying music. Uh, but now it leads me to vinyl. So technically I wasn't really part of the initial vinyl craze. I mean, I'm a little too young for that because CD was actually the preferred format from like 1991 on. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, shopping at a, a random Ikea near West Covina where I, I lived for quite a while, I found that in the home uh, decor section, they actually had perfectly squared vinyl records. Uh, or I'm sorry, the, the frames to, to, to put vinyls in. I'm thinking, wow, you know, it'd be probably a pretty cool idea to put vinyl uh in a frame and hanging on in the wall i mean i would still listen to mp3s or you know streaming music that was kind of like my preferred method of uh indulging in music but it'd be really cool for the albums that were really particularly meaningful to me to get to actually uh have them on display that way so uh, i bought my very first record on record store day back in 2013 which would have been incubus's album make yourself and ever since then i've loved collecting vinyl i thought it was really cool the Again, initially, what I was really just doing was just buying the albums that I really loved, particularly maybe because of the album cover and framing them and hanging them on the wall. And then shortly after getting married uh, to my wife, Allison, I actually, a few years after we got married, asked her if I could continue that hobby of, uh, you know, having a little wall space in our bedroom to do that. And she was more than happy to, how so accommodating to me she was as a wife. So I started doing that, but then found that I was running out of space. <laughs> I didn't have enough room 
to put out the vinyls that I was collecting. So it actually became an even bigger hobby where I actually bought my own record player and started collecting records, even if I didn't have space, space to frame it, just buying albums that I really love. And again, it's brings me back to those days back in the 90s when a band that I would love would release their new album and just get really excited to go to the store to buy it. Uh, it's bringing back those memories and then just sharing with other people the, the music that I'm listening to, hearing from other people what they're listening to. It's just a continual community that we get to indulge in and take part of, which is really fun and really cool to me. So yeah, it's definitely why I love uh, collecting music and taking part of it. Uh, so that leads us to the release of this book that's going to be talking about the history of Record Store Day and how it's been able to make its uh, comeback in this digital age. Uh, so I'm going to take a break and I'll record, I'll give my thoughts on the book and talk about what I'm excited for Record Store Day in the future. Okay, thanks for tuning in and I'll be back in just a little bit. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cassie for Fun podcast. This is going to be segment two of uh, episode 16, where I've been talking about uh, my love of music and how I've developed and uh, created this uh, habit of collecting music over the past uh, 30 plus years. Now I'm going to be talking about uh, the book that just recently came out entitled uh Record Store Day, The Most Improbable Comeback of the 21st Century. This book, uh, I thought it was a really fascinating read. I was really excited when I heard that it was coming out because I've loved Record Store Day over the past several years. And it was actually kind of funny when the book arrived in the mail and I started reading it. My wife, Allison, was just kind of like dumbfounded over the idea like, wow, you're actually reading a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I read a book. It was pretty cool. And I have a few more books that I'm looking forward to later this year. Uh, as I mentioned on a previous episode of the show, the autobiographies from Zachary Levi and uh, Ralph Macchio. And then I got a book last year, uh, the sequel to Ready Player One, Ready Player Two. I got that book for Christmas from, from Allison. So I have plans to read three more books. So by the end of the year, I would have read four books this year in 2022, which is a, quite an accomplishment for me, <laughs> which is kind of funny to think like, you know, why am I proud of that? But the, the women of the Pineda family are the readers, uh, not the men, not so much, but uh, reading is cool. Reading is definitely fun and informative, and we can get yourself lost in books. But even more important than reading is getting yourself lost in music. So that's why I want to talk about this book, uh, talking about the improbable rise of Record Store Day, uh, which has been a huge success going back to its very first year in 2008. Uh, the book, uh, I'll just kind of give a summary because, again, I really want everybody who's listening to the podcast to read the book for themselves. But uh, it goes over how uh, vinyls became obsolete in the marketplace, whereas, you know, CDs obviously took over in the beginning of the 90s. And then CDs and record stores themselves started going under in the mid 2000s. It talks about Tower Records going under, Virgin Mega Store, uh, places like that. And as you remember from my, the previous segment, uh, Tower Records and other record stores, the warehouse, Sam Goody meant a huge deal to me. And I had so much fun going shopping there and had great experiences like getting to meet the Mighty Mighty Boston's back in 1997. So it was sad to see it go, but uh, technology moves forward and we have, you know, uh, incredible easy access to music, which I think is absolutely a good thing. But 
I think we should never ever lose sight of how important and impactful record stores can be. Uh, in the book, it credits uh, two individuals, uh, Carrie Colleton and Michael Kurtz, as the co-founders of Record Store Day, uh, individuals who are part of the industry. But the reality is, I mean, the book kind of makes it clear that so many people actually had a hand in making it a success. And I, you know, you read about it, it kind of seems that it was, uh, I mean, no one can predict the future, but it kind of seems to me that it was uh, very probable to be a success, at least in my opinion, based on what I've read, because of how many uh, musicians and prominent people within the industry were willing to back it. Uh, it's pretty cool to read and fascinating to read that individuals like uh, Slash and Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses and Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Iggy Pop, amongst other, other uh, notable musicians, uh, all worked at record stores. All of them have fond memories of the record store experience. And uh, Metallica, one of the biggest bands in the world, being one of the biggest supporters of the Record Store Day, in fact, issuing two uh, vinyl releases, uh, re reissues of two of their classic albums, Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning, to coincide with the very first Record Store Day. So it seems to me that all the cards were falling into place for this thing to be successful. Uh, I want to read a few quotes from the book that kind of talks about uh, how certain musicians have... Uh, fallen in love with the concept of record store day coming back in the record store in general. Uh, this is from Paul McCartney from, from the book. Uh, There's nothing as glamorous to me as a record store. When I played recently played Amoeba in LA, I realized what fantastic memories such uh, memories such a collection, collection of music brings back when you see it all in one place. This is why I'm more than happy to support record store day. And I hope that these kind of stores will be there for all of us for many years to come. Uh, a few more quotes that I think are really cool. Let me go ahead and read. Uh, this one's from uh, Peter Gabriel. Okay, Peter Gabriel said, uh, I was introduced to lots of great music through my local record store. It was a place where people knew music and knew me and could make great suggestions and discoveries. Whether it is, it is in the physical world or online, the value of great and knowledgeable record stores has not gone away. So that's one of the things that I love that when you go to stores, you can get like, you know, so much influence from people just saying, hey, this is what I'm listening to. Tell me what you're listening to. It's almost like a, a way to share, to build this huge community of people who love music. And of course, the Internet's make that even easier. So uh, as I mentioned in the previous segment, I love the, the idea of uh, sharing MP3s with friends and having them share it with me so we can just generally have a conversation as to what we're listening to, what you should be listening to, and just having lots of fun uh, sharing your music together. Uh, one more quote that I wanted to read. This is from uh, Donna Ross, who is the current VP of sales for uh, Concord Music Group. Uh, this is what she had to say in regards to uh, Record Store Day. I don't think any of us would really have jobs in the physical world if it wasn't for Record Store Day. What they brought is greater than you could imagine. The excitement and specialness of creating this demand was so brilliant. Before Record Store Day, the whole industry was imploding on itself. CD sales were declining dramatically. Digital downloads just came in, streaming coming, and it was all over. Then out of nowhere pops up this great demand for vinyl and just the respect and the quality. Those early titles just sold out and they were so collectible. Everyone put their blood and guts into the early days. Now it's kind of, now kind of, it's almost like a money printing machine. Now Record Store Day is so well-established and a trusted brand that if you just put it out there, people will buy it, which is really, really cool. So um, just to briefly describe Record Store Day so people are aware, uh, the book 
goes over the explanation that it was decided that the third April of the the third Saturday in the, the month of April would be the ideal perfect time to have all independent record stores just uh, celebrate record store day uh, to entice customers to come in and uh, to have them buy their products that are inside. Bands who who love the idea would actually uh, re-release uh, special edition vinyls of some of their albums and songs to kind of entice people to want to get in. So if you're a big collector, you would be interested in wanting to get this these new releases from your favorite artists who happen to be releasing new music. Uh, but at the same time, it's important to note that record stores made the uh, effort to go ahead and release newer con- uh, additional content, not just you know music, not just CDs and vinyl, but also any type of memorabilia related to bands. So you know posters, stickers, buttons, uh, pins, things like that, uh, musical gear. So you know turntables and uh, uh, speakers, anything related to the uh, musical genre that would entice people to want to come into the store. Pe- the record stores were offering. And they offer it at a discounted price. So, you know, to entice people to want to shop more at their store. But I think it's really cool that we have this opportunity to uh, develop and grow our habit, even our hobby, even more. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. Record Store Day for this year is coming up this coming uh, Saturday, April 23rd. So for those who are interested in checking it out, I highly would recommend just checking out your local record store. You know, you can uh, Google search on the internet where one could be if you don't know in your area. And uh, go shopping at record stores throughout the whole year. You, you'll be, I think you'll be surprised how cool they are and how you can just lose yourself like searching through music if you love music and just have a good time doing it and you know sharing your experiences with others, which is something that I love to do. So I highly recommend this book, uh, Record Store Day, The Improbable, Comeback, Most Improbable Comeback of the 21st Century. It's a really cool, interesting read. And I'm looking forward to celebrating Record Store Day this coming Saturday. Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Casting for Fun podcast. I kind of wanted to just talk about my my own things and you know how I really love uh, music and collecting it. So I'll be back uh, next next week with another episode, and I'm going to keep uh, doing these episodes and having fun recording it because I just like collecting music. Recording podcasts has also become a huge passionate uh, hobby of mine which I really enjoy doing. So again, thank you to all my listeners for listening. And uh, you've been listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. Okay, until next time.